0: The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Oh, so you're thinking, why is Hebsey talking about golf when everybody knows that Ontario is the only jurisdiction in North America that won't allow golf courses to open? Well, that's because Crosswinds is just waiting just like the rest of us for the Ford government to come to their senses and do what's right. And it's going to happen soon. And when it does, you're going to want to experience the splendor and natural beauty of Crosswinds nestled between rattlesnake point and Mount Nemo on the Niagara escarpment. Crosswinds offers million dollar views, fabulous golf, wonderful people, and more. As soon as they get the green light, Crosswinds will be ready to welcome you go to CrosswindsGolf.com and get ready because you're going to book your tee time very shortly we're going to be golfing soon i promise you are you listening mr ford (laughs) now mike let's start the podcast live from toronto it's hebsey on sports episode number 229 great to have you with us mark hebbshire and toronto mike ready to get into a few meaty topics the leafs bounce back boy did they ever And they can thank Nick Foligno for the positive vibes and the fact that he had his father's 30-year-old Toronto Maple Leafs cap on. Oh, also, Jack Campbell did a pretty good job, silenced his critics as the Leafs looked like Stanley Cup contenders last night. That's right, I said it. Stanley Cup contenders. The Blue Jays might get George Springer back this weekend as they get set to take on Tampa. It'll be nice to see the $150 million man in a Blue Jays uniform. He's been like... uh, like the invisible man. Have you heard anything about Springer? Yeah. He's taking batting practice, live batting practice. Ooh, he's going to play in a simulated game. Ooh, I'm so excited. Can only really wait to see this guy. The Raptors very much in the playoff hunt. I didn't think this was possible a few weeks ago, but here they come and they're going to have to do it without Chris Boucher for a few days. At least he's got a knee issue. However, the rest of the team is healthy and ready to go. Is the save rule in baseball the dumbest rule in sports, well, it's certainly up there. Maybe it's not a rule, it's a stat, but still it's dumb. We'll talk about that, plus a segregated section for vaccinated fans only in Los Angeles. But perhaps other stadiums will follow suit. And Olympic athletes will not be allowed to demonstrate in any form this summer in Tokyo. That's if they even have the Olympics, Mike. And the way things are going in the world, they're just canceling event after event here. I I don't know. And if if they do have the Olympics, I'm just, I don't know what it's going to look like, man. No fans. Certainly the athletes are going to be, I don't know, compromised to a certain point. How much training can they do in this pandemic era? Just the thought of the Olympics. I I can't get up for it. I'm, I'm not ready. I might be closer to the event, but I don't know. There's just nothing that screams to me, all right, the Olympics, we didn't have it last summer. Let's go for it this year.
1: What a shame though, it would be to, to lose the Olympics, the summer Olympics with Andre de Grasse and his prime. Like we're all set to see who's the post Usain Bolt, hundred uh, meter champion could be yeah. a Toronto boy.
0: What a shame. It would be. And not only that, and we've got some tremendous athletes and in, in all oh, disciplines, sure. I mean, Canadian women's soccer team, you know, our Olympic soccer team would be terrific. Uh, our swimmers, our divers Uh, In track and field, you know, we always have, like, the Andre de Grasse, but there are others, male and female. Sure. And, um, yeah, we didn't get to see it last year. So, you know, think about it. It's been since 2016, Rio. That's a long time ago, man. Yeah. And if they don't do it this year, they'll
1: just skip this round, I think. I I don't think there's no point in, you know, doing it the year before you're scheduled to do it again anyway. Like, I just think that it's now or never for this Olympics.
0: A reminder, folks, we are uh, live and interactive so, if you've got some comments, opinions, suggestions, ideas, uh, let us know uh, here on YouTube. Let me uh, say hi to of a you... couple
1: people then, because uh, Gene in BC, Gene Velaitis, he says good morning from beautiful BC. He says his Friday morning start to the day. He loves he loves wa- checking in with you, Hebzy, on Hebzy on Sports. And Brian, he's excited because he's watching you, and he's got a, a tennis match on mute so he could listen to Hebzy on Sports. I guess there's a big right, tennis match. Right.
0: I'm not going to mention the tennis because it's Felix ogier against uh, uh, Stefano Tsitsipas mm. in the uh, quarterfinals, I guess it is. And it's going on now. So by the time other people hear this, it'll be over already. They'll know. So I'm not even going to get into it. It's mm. tough when you're doing a show at 9.20 in the morning and there's live sports going on.
1: Hey, your call Hebsey, but I'm of the opinion that if it happened while you're talking, that happened while you're talking, it's all, it's all good. Like people oh, know oh, if, yeah. if,
0: if the result comes through. Listen, Brian, sure. if the result comes through. Okay, Brian, uh, let us know if the result the comes through. Here, yeah. Good stuff. It's good our, stuff. it's our obligation to <laughs> announce that. Right. I want you to find out from some other source. Right. Just when you thought the Toronto Maple Leafs would fold up like a cheap suitcase, like a lawn chair, like a roadmap. <laughs> Remember those? Right. In the midst of a five-game winless streak, they come through with perhaps their finest third-period effort of the season, hanging on for a 5-3 victory over the Winnipeg Jets, who have fallen six points behind the division leaders. And they got some goaltending issues of their own, as Connor Hellebuck, or Connor Hell-I-Suck, <laughs> was chased in the first period after allowing three goals. Good! We don't have to hear about Jack Campbell's problems or David Riddick's problems or or... Michael Hutchinson's problems or, or Freddie Anderson's problems in goal. We can talk about Winnipeg's problems in goal because every team's got issues in goal. Now, every team goalies aren't used to playing in a compressed schedule like this too. They're used to having extra days off here. They'll blow, let the backup play a couple games, but now every game means something. It's a big deal. Montreal looking over their shoulders. They might not make the playoffs and they got the best goaltender in the universe. So things aren't so bad for the Leafs, especially when you consider that newcomer Nick Foligno wore his dad's number 71 and sported his 30-year-old Leafs cap at a news conference just before he played. Now, he was given the option by Sheldon Keith, the coach. Do you want to play or do you want to wait? You know, wait a couple of days, you just got here. And, and Foligno was like, are you kidding, coach? Are you kidding me? I want to play. Right. And he did on the top line with Matthews and Marner, and he gave the team a lift. Chipped in with an assist on Marner's empty netter. Very unselfish. Mitch had two goals and a helper. Matthews had one and one. And Mr. Campbell, soup. So I always thought if, if Ilya Mikhaev was the soup man, how do you get Jack Campbell, nicknamed Soup, how do you get the two of them together? Is it Soup and Soupy? Yeah,
1: yeah that's a tough soup? one. That's Is it a tough the soup one? man and the soup boy? Well, the borscht. I thought we gave uh, Ilya it's the borscht, uh, borscht moniker. It's borscht. Okay, I'm working on my Russian.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's beet soup. Okay, beet soup.
0: And if you add sour cream to it, it it's mm. it's pretty wild stuff. Good stuff. So, yeah, uh, Jack Campbell, the soup man, not to be confused with the <laughs> borscht man. Right. Uh, step, and the borscht man didn't even play last night. He's, he's injured. I don't know to the extent of the injury, but uh, he... He had a bit of a shaky start, and everybody was ready to go, oh, geez, Jack Campbell again. We can't even hold a lead. Gave up a couple goals in the first period, although their goalie gave up three in the first and got yanked. He came up with 14 saves in the third, several of them of the uh, huge variety. Magnificent. As the Leafs played shutdown defense and babied that 4-3 lead all the way to the very end until the uh, Marner empty netter. And, Mike, I was worried, like many, about Campbell. After his last few games, he just didn't look like like man. Neither did Riddick, but it, it looked like it was contagious. Like oh my, this goalie's having problems. Let's maybe this guy will bail us out. Oh God, he's no good either. Oh, what are we gonna do? And people all of a sudden going, when's Freddie Anderson coming back? And and you know, comparing, you know, instead of calling him Big Save Dave Riddick, it was Big Siv Dave. You know, that, oh. if you watch enough Twitter, right? It's just so negative, you know. And let's face it, you know, goalie gives up a bad goal and your team loses again, you know, you're going to point the finger to the goaltending. Right. So they really redeemed themselves. Certainly Campbell did last night after everybody being worried about him. And Felino, nice debut, took the place of Zach Hyman on the number one line. Hyman out a couple of weeks, with, uh, at least they say, with an MCL sprain. And I found it interesting, Mike, that people were going, oh, good news, good news. <sighs> it's not It's not the ACL. It's not the anterior cruciate li- ligament, which like you're out for the season and maybe longer. It's only the MCL. It's a sprain. It's the medial collateral ligament. That That is so good some news. some rest and some ice and he'll be fine.
1: But that's like uh, your glass is half full. That's a, it's a probably a positive attitude there. It could have been worse. Yeah.
0: Well, if we, you know the good news is it's not as serious as his first thought. Cause when you right. saw that knee on knee and uh, the guy got two game suspension for it, you thought, Oh man, think of the careers that have ended. Think of the, Think of Bobby Orr, not to compare Hyman with Orr, but think of right. Bobby Orr when you the first time you saw, you know, him take a hip check or a knee on knee and you went, Oh my god, the first of seven or eight knee operations, and he still he still played, you know, with like no ligaments. Right. And those are career enders. And so luckily for Zach Hyman, and it's the same knee that he had problems with a few years ago, let's hope that he's gonna be okay. But in the meantime, Felino did a nice job. His presence, along with Joe Thornton, who played well also, Wayne Simmons, who scored a goal, mm. Jason Spezza, Jake Muzzin, and the other veterans, cannot have anything but a positive effect on the Leafs. The same way Mike Felino helped the 92-93 Leafs reach the conference final. Right. He was a plugger. He was a digger. He was a fourth-line guy. I mean, yeah, they've got video of him scoring the overtime winner in game five of the 93 playoffs against Detroit with the Felino leap. Yeah, But he was more than that. He was a very calming presence. And not only calming, Mike was the kind of guy they would get right in your face mm. if you weren't performing. Right in your face. And it didn't matter. He wasn't the captain. But let me tell you, if you look at that 92, 93 Leaf team and you look at the veteran presence on that squad, Mike Felino had a lot to do with him. And if you recall, the following year, he ended up going to Florida, you know, traded to Florida, and where he was reunited with Roger Nielsen. And he was he was in essence Roger Nielsen's assistant coach. He was he was still a player, but that team had a lot of veterans. Right. And Roger Nielsen wanted a guy like Felino to, to help with the transition. Uh, you know, that team, which eventually in you know, a couple years later, went to the Stanley cup finals. Remember Scott Mellenby and the plastic rats and all that.
1: Of course. Absolutely. Of course.
0: Well, Roger Nielsen helped develop that team. And Mike Felino was a part of that team in, in the early years that they were in Florida. So uh, I'm thinking that Nick Felino is a perfect fit. Perfect fit. Music to my ears, Hebsey. The Leafs and jets. And remember Mike, I was the one who suggested back in, I don't know, whatever episode it was back in February, I think that Felino is absolutely the guy. I, in fact, I think I suggested we trade William Nylander for him straight up. Wow. But that's because I wanted to get rid of Nylander $6.9 <laughs> $6. million salary cap hit so that we could sign Zach Hyman long-term. Right. Anyway, now we got Nylander and we got Felino. All good. Um, Oh, yeah. Rasmus Sandin got some playing time last night because uh, Zach Bogosian was hurt against Vancouver on Tuesday. Uh, and he's out at least a week, they say. So Sandin, is, I mean, he's not the second coming of Borea Salming, but he looks like he's going to be a good one. I liked his play last night. I liked the fact that he rushed into the zone a few times. When I first saw Borea Salming play, I had never seen a defenseman, except for Bobby Orr, that rushed the puck, that took chances – as a defenseman, the way Borya Salming did, it was something Maple Leaf fans had never seen. Love and it. it was exciting as hell.
1: Love it, Hebsey. While we're talking hockey, uh, I have a couple of fast and furious questions coming in. Uh, Miriam. Yeah, shoot. So Miriam has a hockey question, but first she wants to know how Otis is doing. She hasn't uh, heard from Otis in a while.
0: I haven't seen Otis since, what they say, Friday? I haven't seen Otis since Tuesday night. So you're not nervous about that? That's no, I'm not because I know because he always, he's a neighborhood cat. Okay. You know, he's called, he's the king of Clinton Street. (laughs) That's a good time. And also Manning Avenue and also Grace Street, which are the adjoining streets on both sides. But he, he's a neighborhood cat and he can show up at anybody's, you know, window sill and meow and they'll, they'll let him in. Well, for a bite to eat, a little lie down, that kind of thing. Next time I'm not worried at all. He's a neighborhood cat.
1: Okay, next time Otis is inside on a Friday morning, make sure we all get to to see Otis. I think a lot of luck with
0: that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And here's the hog. I mean, when he does show up here. Right.
0: And I don't know if, you know, for those of you who have cats, this is an outdoor cat. He doesn't like to be inside. He comes in to sleep once in a while and have a bite to eat. But normally he'll just come in for a bite to eat and then leave like literally for two minutes, like a teenager. Like, hi, I'm home. Something to eat. Open up the fridge, and then gotta go back out. It's exactly what he's like. He's uh, and he's young too. He's not going to be three until June. Oh, he's yeah, he's so that he, young. So he's like a like a teenager, <laughs> right?
1: Right. But thanks for the question huh. and the hockey question. And I love this question because I was interested in your take as well. But uh, as you know, because uh, we talked about it last week, uh, Patrick Marleau beat uh, was beating uh, a beat surpassed, surpassed Gordie Howe in games, NHL Mm -hmm. games played. And you were uncomfortable about that. And we chatted about that last week. It was interesting. It's
0: not that I was uncomfortable about it. It's that I, I, I don't know. There's people make a big deal about somebody who goes to work every day. And I get it when it's a Cal Ripken or it's a Doug Jarvis with 900. And I forget the number consecutive games and in hockey, even tougher, probably, Uh, you know, because of the physicality of the sport. You know, I'm not saying that, listen, you could play a, a number of consecutive games and, and be a fourth line player and play eight to 10 minutes a game. Sure. And you would still, you know, qualify for that. And I, I look at Patrick Marlowe as a, a solid player. Um, but you're, yeah, you're right. Once you once you put someone's name in a category with a legend. It, you know, it's it's a difficult balance. Cordy Howe played till he was 52 years of age. Gordy Howe played over 400 games in the W.H.A., Um, And for Patrick Marle, I think I mentioned for him to do that would be an incredible feat. But I just, I feel as if a lot of people have become like, I don't know, extensions of the public relations department of the various team or league. Do you know what I mean, Mike?
1: I, I kind of know what you mean, except that this particular record is so completely objective. Like, it's simply number of games played in the NHL. Like, right. Like, and, and I guess specifically to Miriam's question, she, she saw on Twitter what Rosie D'Amato tweeted and what Steve Simmons tweeted. And Rosie's yes. tweet, Rosie was suggesting that... I think she's suggesting that Patrick Marlowe retire before he beats Gordie Howe. Like step Here's down and happened. stop playing. Rosie
0: DeMano wrote that Milt Donnell, the great Milt Donnell, the sports columnist for the Toronto Star, the late great, right. wrote 11,000 columns. And Rosie said, I, I, I would never get to that. But if I got to 10,999 columns, I would stop right wow. there. Think because I that. couldn't see myself surpassing the great Milt Donnell. So the suggestion. That Patrick Marleau, right, in, in the midst of a season, okay, he's not the greatest player in the world, but he's healthy and he's contributing. The suggestion that he quit rather than surpass Gordy Howe's number of NHL games is ludicrous. Yes. Ludicrous. Asinine. And she got called out on it, and, and people were like, what do you know? And she was like, oh, I've been covering the Leafs since 1977. Doesn't matter. Right. You're doing a disservice to Patrick Marlowe. And, and every fan that ever followed him, and, and all hockey fans. Ridiculous. Asinine. The Steve Simmons one was sort of similar to what I was saying. Well, sort of in that, you know, you can't put him and Gordie Howe into the same thing. And Gordie played 400 more games. That's it. But what I'm saying is that the people that that are pushing this um, are journalists or TV personalities or writers or whatever it is that are pushing the narrative of, hey, this is a huge huge deal for the national hockey league let's celebrate this let's you know it's like let's have a moment not a moment like a moment of silence if someone died the opposite let's have a recognition from everybody in the nhl you know that patrick marlowe did it and that's great and it's great what the las vegas golden knights did The little ceremony they had for him and all that it, it's great right but i just find that you're sort of pushing an agenda of let's be the pr department for the nhl And then you've got Steve Simmons and Rosie D'Amato pushing back saying, what the F is this? You know, let's break it down now. Patrick Marlowe versus Gordie Howe. Okay, hold on here. I understand
1: why, if you're not a partner of the NHL, you might not be that interested in something like games played. It's kind of a useless. It's not, I mean, it's interesting in that you had to be good enough to make a team for a number of years, which is significant, but you could be a fourth liner and just hang around for 25 years. (laughs) I don't know. But Mike, I explained to you before,
0: all the 260 NHL players have played 1,000 games. It's not that big of a milestone if that many people have done it. Right, but uh, I, that's so you you can opinion.
1: downplay the fa- the record because uh, it's not that exciting. But I don't understand why you would um, ma- care about who's who you're beating. Like it doesn't matter that the player you're surpassing is a better player. Like that's my issue. Like well, you said, sure it does, Mike. But, but
0: why have you ever heard of Roger Maris before? Of course. Do you have any <laughs> idea what Roger Maris went through or would have gone through if today, yeah, he was about to break the great Babe Ruth's record? So are we equating Gordy Howe with Babe Ruth? Somewhat greatest player in the game during that era, etc., etc., legendary, but that, it, whatever you at want least, to say. Okay so, okay, so let me give that's you great. an example. Yeah, go ahead. You're talking about games played. The record for games played in baseball is Pete Rose. Okay, All right? yeah, that's you know, everybody would know that he played, but does anybody know who, like, who Pete Rose, whose record he broke? You know what I mean? Right, who was second? Like, does it matter how many games you played? you know there's tons of guys that played thousands of games sure all kinds of them but i mean if you happen to be hitting 60 home runs and you're on pace to break babe ruth's home run record right the way henry aaron was for a lifetime and the way roger maris was in 1961 mm-hmm. the pressure's got to be enormous and i'm sure patrick marlowe sort of went through the same thing who do you think you are Gordy howe's record so now you've got apologists kind of going hey Let's really celebrate this because it is a big deal to us. Sure, The NHL doesn't have an awful lot of great PR going. You know what I mean? Sure. It's not sure. like the NHL. Oh, let's celebrate this. Let's celebrate that. The NHL's made. They've done enough things wrong. Right. So from a PR standpoint, it's in their best interest to go. This man here. And he's has a beloved person. More games right? Right. than any other player that ever laced up skates and played in the National Hockey League. And we right. need to recognize it. We need to celebrate it.
1: Okay. Okay. And, and again, and Patrick Marlowe, as human beings go, uh, I understand there's very few finer human beings in the
0: game. So there's, uh, for They PR... said the same, hey, they said the same thing about Gordie. Sure. I know. I know. But I don't see, I don't. They didn't say yeah. the same thing about Pete Rose, mind you, because he's an asshole. Sure. Right. Yeah. But Pete Rose broke Karl <laughs> Yastrzemski's record. Okay. Okay. And Karl Yastrzemski was a great player. Of course. Great, Abs- great player. Absolutely. But I didn't see any, you know, oh, let's bring in Carl, you know, Stremsky. I didn't see any of that type of thing because it was games played.
1: Right. It's not, yeah, right.
0: It's games played. Right. It wasn't all-time hit leader. Like when Pete Rhodes got that hit to break Ty Cobb's all-time record, that was a huge deal. Right. But it wasn't a huge deal when he played his whatever three thousandth game and... Broke Carl Gustavskys right. But
1: before we leave the hockey here, we we agree, we do agree, thankfully, that the Rosie tweet is asinine. Like I just cannot believe the the suggestion that if he was a true like a true scholar and gentleman, that Marlowe would would have retired the game before he surpassed Gordy Howe. Because how dare you? I think that's that's just stupid. But it was uh,
0: the stupidest thing was Mike, yeah, saying. In a tweet that you would never consider surpassing the great Milt Donald's number of columns. (laughs) Right. Are you kidding me? Right. Right. I mean, if she wrote her 11,000 and first column, you don't think there would be a, you know, hey, she just broke Milt Donald's all time (laughs) record of 11,000 columns. (laughs) And is it an all time record or is it just a record at the Toronto freaking star?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Uh Right. Right. Okay. Come on. (laughs) Dumb thing to say. Dumb thing. And to Agreed. suggest that Patrick Marlowe should say, no, Gordie Howe's from Saskatchewan. I'm from Saskatchewan. He's the greatest. I wouldn't feel comfortable having surpassed Gordie Howe is just the dumbest thing. <laughs> She's got to give it up. Agreed. Okay. They canceled the Women's World Hockey Championships in Nova Scotia this week. Oh. Folks were up in arms. Why did they wait so long? For gosh sakes, Canada was on the ice training, getting ready to go. The provincial government in Nova Scotia put the kibosh on the event due to public safety concerns. The IIHF, that's the International Ice Hockey Federation, did not have a contingency plan. It doesn't look like they did anyway. So while the men's championships will take place as scheduled in Latvia and the under-18 championships will go in Texas as scheduled, the women get the short end of the hockey stick from the province of Nova Scotia and from the IIHF. Canada's team was on the verge of announcing its world championship roster, while the nine other participating nations were due to arrive in Nova Scotia Thursday. Now, this event had already been moved, postponed from April to May. I think it was going to start the 8th of May, if I'm not mistaken, a 10-day tournament. Eight teams were departing on international flights Wednesday when the plans were aborted. Concerns over increasing numbers of COVID-19 and the circulation of variants in the province of Nova Scotia compelled Premier Ian Rankin to withdraw permission for the 11-day tournament less than a day after the chief medical officer of Nova Scotia expressed support for the tournament. Mm. The day after. Okay, you guys are good to go. Hugh, good to go. Green light, let's go, everybody. Everybody on flights, let's go, let's go, let's go. Next day. Nope. Mm. So Hockey Canada is now looking feverishly at a different date to hold this tournament. And they're looking at August 20th to 30th, which is a great time to hold the women's world hockey championship. I mean, if, you gotta, if yeah. you're going to hold it, you're going to hold it. Right. Uh, that would be after the Olympics. Uh, Olympics would end by then. I believe the Paralympic games may be going on it, but anyway, uh, that's a big event and they're ho- hoping for August 20th to 30th, as we speak right now, not necessarily in Halifax and Truro, although I would like to see it go back there. I, I mean, sure. they're looking at places like Edmonton, which has already proven that they can hold a hockey tournament during a pandemic. But if they were to go back to Halifax and Tro, if things would be okay, August 20th to 30th, that would be great because, Mike, I've already booked my vacation out east. Oh. And I'm going out there, and I'm going to be there at that time. Wow. I'm going to be in Halifax on the 26th and 27th and 28th, and might stick around if i could get tickets would love to see canada us <laughs> love to see it
1: wow
0: so let's hope that that works out <clears throat> let's hope that the women do get to play the world the world hockey championship they it was it was canceled last year <clears throat> and to cancel it two years in a row while while the men's and the under 18s are are both going on is is crazy
1: mm.
0: let's talk some basketball the toronto raptors once thought to be dead in the water Or not even in the water, on land somewhere in Florida, a team that hasn't been back to the city of Toronto for I don't know how long. He's got players that have never been to Toronto, others who are dying to visit the city, currently residing in Tampa, Florida, the Tampa Raptors. Uh, They get to New York next tomorrow afternoon, another one of those uh, must-win-to-keep-your-playoff-hopes-alive type of games. The Raps are a half game out of the final play-in spot. That would be 10th place in the East. They're tied with the Bulls for 11th place. Washington is just a half game ahead of them. Bad news, though, Chris Boucher will miss tomorrow's tilt and more. He's going to be out at least a week with a knee injury, and that could really affect the Raptors as Boucher has become a matchup nightmare for opposing coaches. I I think he's playing better than anyone ever expected, Mike. Without a doubt. He's a force. He's averaging nearly 14 points a game, seven boards, and two swats. He was a key figure in their win over second place Brooklyn the other night. And now it's going to look like Kem Burch and Freddie Gillespie will have to step it up at the five spot right now with Lowry and Van Vliet ready to take over in the backcourt. Siakam and OG are healthy. You got Malachi Flynn, Red Van Vliet, they call him. <laughs> Love it. I like this team. Yeah. They get the lowly Cavaliers Monday. They get the Knicks Saturday. They get the lowly Cavaliers Monday. And then right back at it against Brooklyn on Tuesday. And you know what Masai Ujiri thinks of Brooklyn. Fuck Brooklyn. Right. Feels good. Did, Feels we did good, it man. The other night, didn't we? <laughs> we fucked them up really good. <laughs> Working blue Let's talk today. Ba- uh, baseball. Yes. Yeah. The Blue Jays begin a series in Tampa tonight against the Rays. And since it's just a hop, skip and a jump from their home base in Dunedin, it's not really a road trip for these guys. They get to sleep in their own beds, which is a good thing. But it would be better if their beds were here in Toronto, right? In the province of Ontario, where you can't play golf, you can't go to the playground, you can't play tennis, you can't play pickleball. Pickleball is getting a bad rap in Toronto.
1: And that's your game, right? You love your pickleball. It's getting a
0: bad rap. (laughs) I read this comment the other day saying, I'm glad that they're not playing pickleball. The sound, that clopping sound of the ball being hit keeps us awake at night. I've yet to witness
1: a pickleball match. Uh, that's I'm, I got when this pandemic ends. I gotta f- watch somebody play. Pickleball. Oh, you gotta come out
0: and watch it. Me and Mitch's okay. area play a lot of singles oh, pickleball. Just say when. It's hard to play singles though because a lot of people want the uh, the courts, and so you you know you have to double up and play. But doubles is wild. Oh, I'm in. The game uh... of doubles pickleball basically takes place at the net. All four players at the net. Volley, 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 volley. And there's an area called the no volley zone, seven feet from the net that you cannot step into to volley. So you can't just walk right up the net and swat it out of the air. you got to w- stay back. It's I- great.
1: I want to see it. And I want to just let you know that Dale in BC is watching live. And he says that when you go out east, uh, he says the Maritimes have some fantastic uh, golf courses. And he wants to make sure you bring your clubs.
0: Oh, we're taking our clubs. Listen, my buddy Jeff Hutchison, from, uh, formerly from that show Canada AM on CTV.
1: Of course, I know. I know he's him.
0: retired and, in, uh, and he's in Charlottetown. So we're going to go out there and play some golf out there. And we're going to play in Nova Scotia as well. And maybe the Women's World Hockey Championships. And Amazing. by the way, thanks to Dale and thanks to uh, Brian and Gene and everybody listening and commenting. Really appreciate it. Tell your friends about this show. Uh, we, we're going to have a new sponsor perhaps in a couple of weeks. Mike and I are going to get some product. We're going to test it out. <laughs> and if we like it, then right. we will endorse it on the show and, and come up with a deal with this sponsor but if we don't like it we're not going to bother you we're not going to endorse we're not going to give testimonials or promote this particular product even though they'll pay us if we don't like the product right mike
1: you know I, absolutely i mean the reason we talk so highly of crosswinds is because you sincerely straight up
0: love playing there yeah i would i don't think i'd be able to endorse a product or talk about a product or a service if i didn't uh i hadn't tried it myself and Cause imagine someone coming up to you and say, did you ever, that stuff sucks. You're, you're advertising this garbage. And, and I've heard some commercials on shows, both on TV and on radio where it's like, Oh man, I don't know if I'd want to be associated with that particular product or service. Either I didn't like the read or you know, the commercial didn't look professional or something about it. Sure. And like, I'll never buy a Hyundai because of that stupid commercial, <laughs> which keeps running that they've edited four times already where the kid has to take a piss. Uh. Have you, s- you've seen the commercial I'm talking about?
1: Uh, I have seen it. Yes. Yes. And I think she right. almost crashes the car, right? Because she's trying to get But this
0: But just, just the start of the commercial has nothing to do with the Hyundai. Right. It has to do with the kid and whether he's gone to the bathroom or not. Jake, do you have to go to the bathroom? No, mom. You know, and as they're leaving, right? the father says to the kid, you have to go to the bathroom? No, no, I don't. And then they get in the car and sure enough, the kid goes, mom, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go.
1: Right. And then she
0: goes, she they edit the thing. She almost gets into a garage. Right. Right. Right, she runs out of the car. They make a quick edit. She jumps out of the car, and then the, the next shot is the two of them walking into the, yeah. the mall or the school or yeah. I think I like could And the voiceover shop or is, you know, Hyundai keeping Canadians safe or something like that. How, right. how are you keeping Canadians safe? <laughs> Does that every have anything to do with the kid having to go take a piss?
1: I think the spirit of that ad is terrible because it's basically if you have to drive dangerously, right. Uh, you'll probably live to tell the tale thanks to this yeah. automobile. But like, what if, if he you just didn't to get your drive kid to that way? to a bathroom. Don't right. worry
0: about it. You won't get no. into a crack.
1: Like, imagine, yeah, almost killing your family to prevent. It. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. We all have had, we've had we have kids. You know, it's just so there you go. So the guy, <laughs> so the
0: guy from Hyundai Canada is now going. Okay, sure he's off the list.
1: Gone. Hey, good morning to Gordon Enright, who's uh, who's watching live. He said good morning, and I'm a polite Canadian who says good morning back.
0: So That's good. great. I'm glad that uh, we have the the ability to, you know, recognize and acknowledge, you know, people who are tuned in taking their time out of their busy Friday to listen to the show. And when I, when I say, listen, I mean, like, I know you can see us. I can't envision Mike anyone looking at a screen, watching you and I talk it's a radio show basically, you know, it's a podcast. I know, but
1: I feel like, didn't Bobcat do this forever? Uh, put his radio show on TV? Yeah. Did people yeah. watch it? But I, I mean, no did idea. you sit there and
0: look at Bob? <laughs> oh, did, I were never you did. Or in the other room cooking or doing oh, no. what you would normally do? You're right. Listen. I just,
1: yeah, you're right. But uh, it is the only way to listen to Hebsian Sports Live. Yeah. So that's a
0: key, a key uh, selling feature here. Actually, I'm told by my neighbor, the best way is while you're vacuuming, you put the headphones on. Right. You get your chores done and you're listening to the podcast. Well, you know, but so you I, set it up. You say, I'm not going to listen to the podcast right. until I start vacuuming. Smart.
1: Well, a lot of people put you on because you're about a little over an hour and they go for their walk. Easy and then by the time they're done their walk, they, they didn't even notice they did a walk. Like I just walked for an hour because Hebsey was talking to me about sports.
0: Time flies. I have another friend of mine who listens to the pod. He flies a lot. He waits till he gets on board and he's on the plane. And then
1: he listens. Oh, by the way, the Hyundai. Just before we move on, there, uh, Gordon points out that the original. I gotta, go, I gotta go. The original version, I guess, is he. It's late. Like he actually pees his pants, and then people. Yeah, felt too late. People felt and it was they, making and, fun of like, and they l-
0: edited that because I complained saying, "What oh, the hell yeah. kind of commercial right. is this?" I think it aired. I remember like, maybe for a few days, and then right. somebody went. Oh, See, geez, we gotta I missed edit this.
1: that original version, but now oh, now it's it's that it, terrible. apparently uh, there are up. People have legit disabilities where they wet their pants because of bladder yeah. issues and stuff. And this seems to be making fun of them. So they changed it where he, it wasn't too late. So, what a yeah. terrible ad. What a terrible ad. I'm never buying a terrible. Hyundai either. Never. Or yeah. any other car, I but never, that's another story.
0: <laughs> where was I? What's more important than Hyundai? Oh, yeah. George Springer. Right. Expected to make his Blue Jays debut, sorry, debut either this weekend or next Tuesday when the Washington Nationals come to Dunedin. So the Jays are 8-10 and 10 on the season. They're only three games back of the Red Sox in the, uh, in the East. Mm. And Springer hasn't played a game. So he's scheduled to play a, a simulated game today, sim game as they call it. Right. And if he feels good after playing the full nine innings in center field, they might pencil him in for Saturday or Sunday. And if not, his debut will be delayed until next Tuesday against Washington or Wednesday. And if he's still not feeling 100%, it'll be the following weekend. So I'm excited, but I'm also worried. I don't want to see this guy come back unless he's like, he hits the ground running. I mean, if I want to see him in the lineup, I don't want to see him going 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. He's trying to get his timing back as the leadoff hitter. There's a lot of pressure, $150 million. Haven't played an inning. Okay. Two injuries. One while you were, you were rehabbing from one injury when you got the other injury. Right. Right. You missed the first 18 games. Your team's hanging in there without you, but come on, let's go. Let's go. Right. I mean, the Jays spent more money on this guy than any other player in their history, mm-hmm. okay? We're hollishing to see this guy play. <laughs> let's go, let's see. Think about it. Imagine if last year they signed, you know, Ryu and he couldn't pitch for the first month or so. Like, yeah. Let's go. Well, Adding George Springer to this young, exciting lineup makes fans giddy. And if you believe the hype surrounding Nate Pearson, he'll be ready to go pretty soon too and he'll be a Cy Young candidate as well. I'm, I'm worried more about Nate Pearson. George Springer has proven himself to be a major league player, but Nate Pearson hasn't. We're going on such a small sample size. And, and the Jays are, are at the point where it's like they want to see if he can pitch five innings in a simulated game. And if he can, then they're going to say, okay, he's ready to pitch in the major leagues in the starting rotation. That's a big step, a big step, Mike. So I'm concerned there, but I think Springer will be okay. I think that it's like, look, when I come back, I'm ready to go. Right. You know, he's been hitting off a tee. He's been taking live BP. He's playing in a sim game. Now he's going to have to face, you know, these monster pitchers that are throwing these, you know, 98 mile an hour fastballs with movement with these wicked split fingers and and sliders. And, you know, he hasn't seen live pitching from major leaguers in, in a while. So let's see how that goes. And the Jays may have the hitting, but the fielding and the pitching is a real cause for concern on this team, and will continue to be for quite a while. Let's remember, the players that Charlie Montoyo is using at various positions could change at any time. You know, tonight's game, you could have Lourdes Guriel playing third, Craig, Big- or, uh, Kevin Biggio playing left field, Marcus Simeon at short, Joe Panick at second, Rowdy Telez at first, and Vladimir Guerrero DHing. You know, the next game, you could have Josh Palacios playing left. You could have Teoscar back. He could be in right. You could have Springer in center, Grichik DHing, Vladdy at first, Biggio back at third, Boba, all over the place. But let's remember, folks, Craig, uh, Kevin Biggio is still learning to play third base. He's had 20 starts at the major league level. And let's face it, some of the balls that he's trying to get to, running, you know, a ball topped off the end of the bat, running full speed, trying on the run to make the throw. And the first baseman he's throwing to is the equally inexperienced Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Who hasn't taken enough reps to know whether to come off the bag or not to save his infielder for an error. How to play the short hops and the in-between hops that a veteran first baseman can pick like cherries. And it puts more pressure on a young first baseman to make that play when his infielders, Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio, are having trouble getting the ball to first base. All the more reason to have a veteran first baseman. You don't have it, it's going to take a while. It's going to be painful. These guys are going to make errors. They're going to make mistakes.
1: You know, you're addressing a question that Dawn uh, nicely composed here. So I'm going to spit the question at you now, and you're kind of covering it right now. But she says, uh, she says, the fielding by the Jays. She says, I know the young kids need to season more, but the the mistakes in the infield are baseball fundamentals. And she says, this is Dawn speaking. Uh, Guilliel doesn't know doesn't doesn't make much of an effort to leg it out for a catch in the outfield. This is Dawn's uh, perspective. So she wanted yeah. you to comment on. Th- Jays well, again,
0: you're talking about players that are not used to playing certain positions at the major league level. I have always said, look, Tony Fernandez had two amazing seasons in Syracuse before they brought him up to the Jays. Amazing. People were going, why don't you bring this guy up? They wanted him to be absolutely ready to be able to step in. not a Not a rookie who had not played the position, was unfamiliar with where to position himself, didn't know his second base partner, all those things. And so when Tony first came up, and people don't remember this, but I do, he had some problems at short. He tried to make some throws that he wasn't capable of. He was trying to impress. He was pressing as a major league shortstop. And and there were a few throws and a few plays where it was like, oh, boy, this guy is not ready. But it took time. And I think you'll find that with a lot of players. Uh, you know, this team, it seems – is sort of between um, having the patience, letting the players figure it out, giving them the reps, letting Charlie move guys around. And the other part of it is panicking after a short period of time, it's like we did with Vladdy at third base. Last year, Vladdy at third, we were like, he's not a third baseman. Get him out of there. Get and every time somebody hit a ground ball to third, we crossed our fingers and hoped that he could make the play. Am I right? Right. So the same thing, we're doing the same thing with Kevin Biggio here after 18 games. And I'm telling you, you got to wait. The time's going to come a year from now, two years from now, where Vladdy is going to be so comfortable at first that Kevin won't have to worry if he throws a short hopper, if he throws one in the dirt, that Vladdy will pick it. And then if the throw is wide of the base, that Vladdy will know to, to, to get off the bag and make the play, as opposed to trying to keep his foot on the bag and stretch awkwardly and make a you know an OLA type of play at first base. That takes a lot of reps. That takes <laughs> an unbelievable number of reps at first base or any position before you're comfortable because you re- before you recognize a ball that's sinking coming from the shortstop in the hole and you know that you got to go and dig that baby out, or you've got to play it on in an in between hop, or you've got to come off the bag quickly to 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 make the play and maybe a sweep tag at first base. The other thing is Vladdy is a right-handed throwing first baseman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rowdy Telez is a left-handed throwing. It's much easier to play first base when you throw left-handed. Vladdy almost got his, his arm taken off, almost broke his wrist reaching into the baseline as a left-handed, a right-handed throwing left-handed catching first baseman on that play where Biggio made a bad throw. I was like, Oh my God, he's going to break his wrist. Right. The runner is going to run right into that. If he's a, Left-handed throwing first baseman, it's not a problem. He's reaching across his body. It's not going to get in the way. So it's going to take time. Yeah, And, good- and as you saw with Biggio the other night, mm-hmm. after he made that error, the next two balls that were hit to him at third, including the final out, he threw a dart to first base. Right.
1: right. And Neil, on uh, your YouTube channel, he, he makes a good point that uh, due to COVID, these kids lost a lot of uh, development time. So they're kind of Tremendous. learning on the fly here.
0: They didn't play any games last year. Right. They played at the alternate site. I mean, they played simulated games, but they didn't play any against real competition for, for the most part. So it takes away, it retards their progress. You're hundred percent right. And thanks to Don for the question. Appreciate Great
1: question. It. And KM wants you to know that he likes listening to you at work because he likes to get paid to listen to Hebsey on sports. So
0: I like that. <laughs> okay. Tell and- your boss if, if maybe you should sponsor <laughs> the show.
1: Yeah, good point. A sponsor How about of the show. that? Uh, we're now open for business. We're now open for business. Uh, one more uh, tennis note before we move on. Uh, uh, Felix lost in straight sets. That's from Brian. He's watching. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. Predictable Felix result.
0: did He did beat um, Tsitsipas last year. I'm thinking at Indian Wells. It was a good match. Um, but yeah, Tsitsipas hell of a player. Felix right. isn't quite ready. And Felix knocked off Shapovalov the round previous. So Shapo played terribly. <laughs> threw his racket around a few times temper's getting the best of him he's, he's he's having his problems on the clay courts anyway okay what's the dumbest rule in sports or the dumbest stat in sports maybe not rule uh
1: getting a point for missing a field goal is that uh in the cfl is that a dumb rule
0: oh the overtime loss point
1: well what is in the cfl when you miss the field goal and then you get the point Oh, for the, the, the rouge yeah, i guess the, is uh, it the, a rouge?
0: one point on the missed field goal yeah that's a dumb rule oh, yeah. how about the save rule in baseball the other night they brought Tim Meza in, the Blue Jays, in the ninth with a three-run lead. All he had to do was get three outs before the Red Sox scored three runs and he would get his first major league save. Right. Easy, right, Mike? Sounds easy. No. He allowed a base runner, got a couple of outs, and with the tying run on deck, Charlie Montoyo pulled Meza with two outs in the ninth in favor of Anthony Castro, who got the final out to pick up his first major league save. Now had Maysa stayed in, he would have earned his first major league save. I'm sorry but the save rule has to be changed. If you can protect a one-run lead, you get the save. But to come into a game with a three-run lead and 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 get three outs or or one out even if there's men on base, it's it's a dumb rule. <laughs> it's a dumb you, you could you you could theoretically, Mike, have a three-run lead, come in in a save situation, right, give up a walk, a double, a walk, Mm -hmm. and a base hit, allow two runs, and still get a save. Your team was leading by three. They only win by one because you allowed two runs in the last inning, but you still get a save. It's dumb.
1: You know... As a kid, I remember saves seemed really important to me, like Mark Eichhorn and then Tom Henke. Like these closers were like, oh, Dwayne Ward, will they get the save? It was like, but now in the modern game, it just doesn't mean anything to me. Like, yeah. Well,
0: no, the save rule was the same back then. No, I know, I know, I know. I mean, Tom Henke, out of his saves, I don't, I don't know how many of them were with a three-run lead. Right, right. I mean, in right. those cases, they might have brought someone else in and then yeah. had Henke ready in case it became a one-run game. Yeah, that's a good and point. And I don't know, because it doesn't specify. It doesn't say out of his forty-five saves, right. thirty of them were with a one-run lead, right? And fifteen of them were with a two or three-run lead. I don't know, but yeah, good they, point. You're right. You look at numbers and you go, "Wow, he had fifty-seven saves one year." Yeah, you know, were they all <laughs> high-leverage situations, or were a couple of them, and dude, just get three outs before they get three runs, and then you get a save. Right. right. Also, what's your take on the uh, runner at second base uh, to start the uh, extra innings rule? Do you like that?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I like that. I like that you probably get, it probably ends in the 10th or maybe the 11th. Like it is kind of neat when you're watching a game to know that you won't be watching another two or three hours. Like, what do you think? Right. Now, there think was like,
0: one the other day in Minnesota against Oakland, where Minnesota uh, scored yeah. two runs in the top of the 10th inning. Yeah. So they got a 12, 10 lead. Oakland has a 10 game winning streak. Going. Yes. They're at home. Yeah. People are thinking, wow, this is just like Moneyball." Right. When they won 20 in a row. So they got a 10, 10- game-winning streak. Yeah. They started the season 0-6, the A's. Right, And now they're down by two runs in the bottom of the 10th inning. Yeah, And Minnesota proceeds to throw the game away <laughs> yes. with two infield errors. Right, One by the second baseman who just bobbled the ball that kept the inning alive with two outs, and they're down by two runs. And then they scored a run, and then another ground ball to third where the guy throws it so badly, he throws it away so badly that it allows the tying run... <laughs> and the winning run to score and the A's win their 11th in a row with three runs in the bottom of the 10th. Thanks to two errors.
1: Well, like many Jays fans, I caught a, I caught a lot of that. I thought the ninth and some extras there just because the Jays were in a rain delay and they went to that game. So right. like, yeah, it was, it was kind of neat.
0: So um, I, I don't mind the rule during the regular season, but please not in the playoffs. That would be like the shootout in hockey and they, right. and they keep the shootout in the playoffs instead of playing, you know, sudden death. Right. You got to play sudden death in the playoffs, no matter what.
1: Uh, got to. KM think thinks this. one of the dumbest rules in sports is that you can take a knee in the end zone and then still get it on the twenty yard line. Why? Uh, KM, you'll have to let us know why, and then I'll I'll out. Because I
0: in. I'll be honest with you, I don't I like seeing the when you play on special teams in football, and you're sprint downfield to get the the kickoff return guy, and he puts his knee down. Yeah, I would hate that too. Force the guy to run it out. Right. At least give the special teams guys a chance to, you know, collide and 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 hit somebody. But they were worried there were too many injuries on kick returns and right. guys going into the wedge and all that. And
1: yeah, so that's the fair I, catch. Don't mind it.
0: I just think that if they were to do that, they should move the kickoff back so that you couldn't kick it out of the end zone. I, I'd like to see a return also, but that's because these kickers can all boot it out of the end zone. Yeah, KM just says uh, earn your yards. That's yeah. He, yeah. okay. I'm good with that. Um, I've been really enjoying Joe Siddle on the Blue Jay telecast. Uh, the pregame shows usually during the game, they only get like a couple of minutes twice a game, but the pregame show, especially and on the postgame, but the pregame show, especially they, they, they produce these segments that are really good. And one the other day, and Joe is not afraid to criticize when necessary. His inside baseball segments are great. He gets out on the set. He's got a shirt and tie on. he has got the baseball bat in his hand. And he's explaining why Marcus Simeon is having trouble. And he shows it's because he's trying to pull everything. So he's using charts, but nice. he's also showing you how he's a, approaching the baseball, how he's susceptible to certain pitches, um, and and then visually showing you know him grounding out and stuff like that. All of his hits this year are pulls. He's trying to pull everything. And And Joe was, you know, he's got to learn to hit to all fields. He's got to do what he was doing back in 2019 when he had an MVP caliber season, when he's hitting to all fields. And I love these segments. I love the inside baseball stuff. And I even suggest that Joe puts on the tools of ignorance and squat behind the plate to explain things further, right? There's just something about seeing a guy in the catcher's position, all the equipment on, over the plate. Okay, this is where the catcher moves. This is how he frames it. This is what he's looking for here, there. You really get the inside story on baseball. That inside stuff is gold. So I want to see more demonstrations. And and it would be even better if you'd spend the money and actually Shot Joe out on a baseball diamond somewhere outside of the studio. And the same with other sports. You know, they tried it in hockey a couple of years ago when Strombolopolis was on, where they had the nets there and the guys, you know, Nick had his hockey stick. I remember. And they do it in football on Fox where they got Terry Bradshaw and the guys, and they've got the little field there. I love it. Show me more of that inside stuff. Agreed. Normally, at this time, I'd be talking about my great round of golf from last Saturday at Crosswinds and how I'm looking to play again this weekend at Crosswinds. But these are not normal times. Nevertheless, we are allowed to play golf in Ontario, or we will be allowed soon. Right. Sooner than most of us think. I I said last weekend when Ford announced it that this can't last more than a week or two, that the outrage from the public will force him to change his mind. And in a tearyard statement yesterday, he he acknowledged that he made some mistakes, but he didn't correct the mistake when it came to allowing people to play golf.
1: And pickleball, but yes, golf for sure.
0: And tennis and all that stuff. But maybe next week, maybe in the next couple of days, maybe by the time you hear this, Doug Ford will have changed his mind and Ontario will open golf courses. That would be a beautiful thing. And when that happens, you're going to want to get to crosswindsgolf.com quick, quick, quick. And book your tee times online to see this beautifully manicured, spectacular golf course in full bloom. Because folks, it's spring. May's coming. And you know what that means, man? The flowers will be blooming. Mm. Already the leaves and the trees are coming out. It's gorgeous. And spectacular views of Rattlesnake Point and Mount Nemo uh, overlooking the Niagara Escarpment. Crosswinds 45 minutes from downtown Toronto in Burlington. Get ready. You'll be golfing there soon. Go to crosswindsgolf.com.
1: So, Hebsey, it's April 23rd. What's the over-under on when uh, they reverse that terrible decision and open up golf
0: courses? Next Friday, the 30th okay. of April. Good. It will be two weeks. The The weather is getting nicer. I believe that Mr. Ford and his cabinet will have changed their minds. They'll they'll listen to the experts. Science.
1: Yes. Just, just listen to the experts, because then even if you're wrong, you can say I just listened to the experts. Like, just, just you should just do that yeah. the whole time.
0: That's, all. That's yeah. all. So we'll give them we'll give them another few days till next Friday. Even before that, probably Thursday, to say, all right, golf courses are now open. The Los Angeles Dodgers will debut a fully vaccinated fan section for tomorrow's game against the San Diego Padres. Details. Social distancing will not be required in the vaccinated section, but face coverings must still be worn. The seats are in the loge level at Dodger Stadium, next to the visiting bullpen. Tickets are still available, $121 to $143 US per ticket. Fans 16 years of age and older must provide documentation showing that at least two weeks have passed since their final vaccination dose. Children must show proof of a negative COVID-19 test within 72 hours. Okay. So as you're going through the gates, uh, let's see what you got. Show me your documentation papers, please. (laughs) The big picture, the San Francisco giants have a similar section, which ups the stadium capacity by a thousand and other teams are likely to follow in the weeks ahead. What do you think, Mike?
1: I, this is what I think, okay? Again, we just said with Doug Ford, listen to the experts, okay? If you're fully vaccinated in a couple of weeks since that last vaccination has, has taken place, you are not going to end up in the hospital with COVID-19, okay? And I think the whole thing for everybody, especially in Ontario but everywhere, is hospital like ICU wards are filled up and we can't afford... Uh, we we, we want to keep people out of the hospital. So I think this is a fantastic idea because if you're fully vaccinated... It's unlikely you get COVID, but if you do get COVID, you're not going to get symptoms that require hospitalization, and that's everything. So I love this.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people that don't like this idea at all. So Tell me why. What are, what are they well, not like? I'm, you know, they're saying that it's not fair for those who haven't been vaccinated. And the other thing, it kind of gives you, maybe the public, a relaxed feeling. Things are going to be okay. they going to be fine. If they're fine, why do you still have to wear a mask? I mean, if it's okay to congregate and not be six feet apart, why have the mask? To me, it would make just as much sense to keep people six feet apart and say you don't have to wear a mask because you're outdoors. You know what I mean? So it 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 sounds like a good idea, but can you imagine them implementing that in Toronto if they came back, let's say, in August? I think they All right, probably fully would. Vaccinated? <laughs> Over there, not vaccinated. Sorry. Or, or not vaccinated, you're in that section, that's 25% capacity. Right. Half vaccinated, you got one dose, you're in that section over there, that's 50% capacity. Fully vaccinated, both doses, you can go sit over there, full capacity. Right. Uh, right? And then, uh, Dad, Dad, when do we get to sit in that section? No, not until you're fully vaccinated, son. Sure, but we're we're
1: used to li- like living with modified rules for health and safety at this point. I mean, you can't go to Crosswinds today because of this. So I think that just saying, okay, you know, vaccine, you have to be fully vaccinated to be here, is just the next stage in this evolution as we come out of this pandemic.
0: You see, now I, I don't know what the evolution is. No one does. I had said as soon as they had said, "All right, here's the benchmark: six feet, two meters apart." My first thought was, at what point do they say, okay? you can be one meter apart and then if things go well you can be no meters apart and then you can hug like how's that going to work so we've gone from six meters apart to zero meters apart but you still have to wear a mask if you're fully vaccinated there's just too many stages here Mike. okay but we we, but we agree
1: fully vaccinated people uh are not going to get uh, COVID-19 symptoms that require hospitalization. Like
0: Then if that's the case, Mike, then just let only let people into the ballpark that have been fully vaccinated. I, that, that's what I would do. Say, don't worry about masks. Right. Don't worry about distancing. Right. You're fully vaccinated. Right. If not, what's the point of being fully vaccinated? See, I
1: think the masks are for the kids. Like, I, for you know, I have a seven-year-old, and who knows when he's going to be able to get vaccinated. So I think that the masks right. are for the kids who can't. Well, if you, you know.
0: haven't been vaccinated, you got to, yeah. But if you've been fully vaccinated no matter what your age, right. Right. Unless you're concerned that uh, the other strain that uh, this vaccine isn't going to, no, you I mean, we're we, going to stop you from getting the other, um, but Hebsey,
1: that point I, that's how I would roll. I would be like, if you want to attend the baseball game, uh, you need to be fully vaccinated or produce like evidence right. that you have some al- allergy to it, or your doctor says right. you cannot get this vaccination. And, and in then you that see case, pictures
0: of people lining up elderly people lining up everyone lining up in the cold, uh, for at a, at a pop-up vaccine clinic
1: yeah no doubt yeah it's but ridiculous. that's that's why we're so far away in this province because I mean you can't even play pickleball for goodness sakes but in the states we're over a million sorry over half the population has been uh vaccinated i believe in right. the usa like that's just i think if you're vaccinated you get to go to the game and if you're not you don't but here's hey, a great idea Mike, nobody asked me
0: have vaccination cl- <laughs> have vaccination clinics set up at the at ballpark the, at the
1: ballpark before
0: you go in. you want to go see the jays play here you can get vaccinated <laughs> Get your ticket, right? Yeah. Go yes. into the game.
1: Right. Two weeks before I get that vaccine.
0: Yeah, 35 40,000 people being vaccinated a day. That's okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> you got a question here? Oh.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So I've been, uh, yeah, you see, I got notes here. I want to get this right. Okay. Uh, I know. So. Right. Miriam again, who, by the way, I think Miriam's one of those examples of not a big sports fan, but loves Hebsy on sports because it kind of lets her know all the things she should know and she can follow along. Like, you're her only Sometimes I'm not a big sports fan either, you know. (laughs) Right. Right. Me (laughs) neither. Me neither. But uh, she wants you to explain. Uh, this is a like when we say football, we mean soccer. But, you know, yeah. so w- why were the teams worried about the Super League? Yeah. Uh, what was okay. the benefit of it? And then she wants to know, like, like, why did it fold as quickly as it started? She wants to know what the hell happened with that yeah. Super League.
0: This is worth an entire show. I was going to bring this up today, and I thought, um oh, that it, it, it's it can be very um, convoluted. But here's basically what happened: all the big teams, like the Big Six teams in English football, yeah. Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, um, you know, all these squads that are that have this great, rich history in soccer, right. and have um, wealthy teams, and they have the money to bring in the top, top players there was a like a coup going on here where these teams about 15 of them in Europe were going to band together and and have a super league where they could only play amongst themselves they would only play and they would only invite certain other teams mm. to 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 be involved in these competitions now this would be during the week this wouldn't have any effect on their domestic games which are on the weekends right. but during the week instead of being involved in Champions League or Europa League tournaments they would have this super league well It was the dumbest move ever because they obviously didn't take the temperature of the soccer fan who immediately every soccer fan, when they heard this idea, they went, oh, no, this is terrible. And they protested. They were incensed that their team would be uh, either join another league or, or would not be able to join this league because. You know, right. it's, uh, it was partisan, right? It was like, right. oh, you're from Everton. Well, we're very sorry, but you can't join our Super League. That's only for Manchester United and Liverpool and, you know, the top, the, Chelsea and Arsenal and Tottenham and Manchester City. Those are the only ones from England. And so you're going to, you're going to, how do you sit down with the other English owners and say, uh, you know, by the way, we've, we're going off to a Super League. You know, they got, fuck you. Right? How can you do that to English soccer? How can you do that to your fans? So the protests were immediate And they capitulated like it was like (laughs) like Manchester United said, okay, 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 okay. Their 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 chairman resigned because all the guys that were running these teams, and remember, most of the ownership is foreign ownership. There's only one team in England of the top six that's owned by a Brit, and that's Tottenham. Interesting. All the others are owned by, you know, Americans, Russian oligarchs. And so they're trying to basically leverage, you know, their money and their power and status to create a super league. Which fell apart within 48 hours, like because all the teams, all their fans were going, no, 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 we won't go for this. We won't go to the games. Right, and just it fell apart like a house of cards. Sort of fell
1: apart as quickly as the uh, the playground band we had in Ontario for 24 hours. That's about
0: right. <laughs> the immediate rea- the immediate reaction from the fans, right, was incredibly negative right. and threatening. Right. Don't you dare.
1: So blink and you miss it. The Super League, uh, rest in peace. That's
0: it. That's it. It didn't (laughs) last very long at all. Uh, Meanwhile, athletes competing at the Tokyo Olympics will not be allowed to participate in any protests or demonstrations on the field of play during an official ceremony or at the podium. And those who do will be severely punished. This from the IOC, the International Olympic Committee who revealed its policy for the summer games the other day, saying it spent 11 months consulting with various experts and athletes before drawing up its policy. The main takeaway, the IOC says after polling more than 3,500 elite athletes and Olympians, raging in age from 16 to 55, it became clear that the majority are in favor of strict rules against demonstrations quote a very clear majority of athletes said that they think it's not appropriate to demonstrate or express their views on the field of play at the official ceremonies or at the podium said ioc athletics commissioner chief christy convertry so our recommendations is our recommendation is to preserve the podium field of play and official ceremonies for any kind of protest or demonstrations or acts perceived as such. So what happens if an athlete violates the rule? Well, the IOC is currently working with the Legal Affairs Commission to come out with a range of different sanctions so everyone knows what everyone can and cannot do. In other words, they're still figuring out what the punishments will be. Now, Mike, this announcement comes weeks after the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee decided it will not punish athletes who take a knee or engage in any other sort of peaceful protest at their U.S. Olympic trials. But the Olympic Committee acknowledges that it cannot prevent a third party like the IOC from taking action. So here's the translation. If U.S. athletes want to demonstrate at the Olympics, they'll have to do so knowing there will be um, consequences and repercussions. So they're allowed to at the U.S. Olympic trials, right? but not at the Olympic Games. What do you think?
1: Well, I'll give you my quick take and then I'm dying to hear yours, but I personally hate it when there's rules to take like the politics, if you will, or or human rights issues, et cetera. Like I'm thinking of like Black Lives Matter and other other such protests out of sports. Like the whole idea that, you know, this is for sports only and you you can't take a knee to protest, you know, whatever, police brutality against black men and, and et cetera. I hate it. Like I li- I don't I don't like that at all. Like I'm thinking back, remember the Olympics were in Russia and there was some law in Russia basically against homosexuality in some regard. I remember That's right. Yeah. Yeah L- sochi, right? Like- yeah, like, like that needs to be protests and it needs to be done at, on that stage. And the whole idea that you would, you would outlaw that upsets me, uh, my sensibilities. But what do you yeah. think, Hebsy man?
0: Oh man, listen, in 1968, I yeah. saw the uh, gold medal presentation for the 200 meters. Tommy Smith of the United States won it, a black man. Right. John Carlos of the US finished third, a mm-hmm. black man. Mm-hmm. And they both stood on the podium with their fists raised, wearing a black glove,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not wearing their shoes, wearing black socks. And this was 1968. And the crowd the, uh, the crowd there and the te- television audience was shocked. Right. But let me tell you, the message came through loud and clear. They were both, by the way, banned from Olympic competition, kicked oh. out of the Olympics. Wow. But that was 1968. We're still protesting. Yeah. Whether it's apartheid, whether it's, you know, um, social issues, whether it's, uh, you know, what you say, you know, um, that homosexuals were being, uh, you know, um, marginalized yep. um, at the Olympic Games and in society. So I- I'm torn here. You know, I, I-, I-, I do and I don't. I-, I think there's a place for everything. But, but I don't disagree that while the medals, either, either, like get rid of the medal ceremonies, if that's the way it's going to be. Don't play the national anthem. Don't do any of that. Because when the Olympics began, they didn't do that. Okay. They did everything. They've been doing it a long time. To, <laughs> they've been doing it a long time. Right. And, and the ceremonies were, only, were, 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 were opening ceremonies, but there were no closing ceremonies. And there were no, you know, um, let's put people on the podium, raise the flags and do the national anthem. Because you know, when you start playing national anthems of countries that have uh, human rights issues and such, you're just opening a whole can of worms. So can they find a way? Can they punish athletes to the point where it's gonna be a deterrent, where you're really gonna think about um, protesting while you're on the podium? Tough one. And that's it for episode 229 of Hebsy on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration, hit him up at torontomike.com. Thanks to all of you that, uh, that, that wrote in, that had questions, that made this an interactive show. We love you for that. Tell all your friends, subscribe to our podcast or subscribe to, the, uh, to our, my YouTube channel, but, uh, but watch and listen and tell your friends. <clears throat> Excuse me, thanks also to our good friends at Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. You can't play golf as of this moment in Ontario, But pretty soon, they're going to open up the gates. They're going to, I know they are. They're going to come to their senses. And Crosswinds and all these other businesses will be open very, very soon. And we're going to get back to normal. Get ready to book your tee times at crosswindsgolf.com. And don't forget, you can have your wedding there as well. They're taking bookings starting in 2022. Which sounds like a good year to get married, don't you think? You just make it a longer engagement. She'll love you for it. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another edition of Hebzeon Sports next week. Until then, so long for now. This podcast has been produced by TMDS and accelerated by Rome Phone. Rome Phone brings you the most reliable virtual phone service to run your business and protect your home number from unwanted calls. Visit RomePhone.ca to get started.